You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series, 40 Days with James. Now looking at cursing and praise. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is day 19 of our journey through James, and today's offering is called Cursing and Praise. We'll be looking at James 3, verses 9 to 12. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And that's where we will pause. We still have uh, more to cover in this very Uh, direct, practical, and colorful chapter. You've noticed that the list of illustrations just in chapter 3 is getting quite long. Well, even referring to the tongue itself um, as the agent of speech is a kind of illustration. But we have the bit and the horse, we have the rudder and the ship, the spark, the fire, we have the taming of animals, we have the poison, we have the spring here with the fresh water, uh, salt water coming out of it, we have the fig tree or the grapevine, Like Jesus, James is using illustrations from all around the ancient world. These are all familiar. Some may be less familiar to you. If you haven't seen a spring recently, or maybe you haven't uh, eaten many figs. Uh, In fact, some of James's illustrations are directly from Jesus, or they remind us of passages like the false prophets in Matthew 7, 15 to 20. He says, by the fruit you will know them, You know, one fruit doesn't grow on a different kind of tree. It's just inconsistent. So they're echoes, not only of the learning of the classical world, the ancient world, but also of the ministry of Jesus. Now, what he's focusing on here is not just some generalized uh, sort of negativity. Uh, The context seems to be worship particularly the misuse of the tongue in worship. Let me read verse 9 one more time. When the tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Now, I, I used to read this as, yes, we're in church and we're singing and praising, and then maybe the next day at work or at home the next week, we're not so nice. I, I think these two could actually be coinciding, not separate occasions. Not that we sing words of curse of, of a curse to the person in the row in front of us, at least I hope not. But that we can be praising God with our lips, with our tongue in that way, and yet our heart isn't right towards others. Now, Jesus talks about such, such a situation in Matthew 5 when he says, leave your gift at the altar. I think we, we know what that means. So we're dealing with people who seem to be or should be or look like they're the people of God, but there are some serious issues. 
Something similar seems to be going on in the childishness in the Corinthian church when we read 1 Corinthians. Now, I was going to say, chap- I was about to give you a chapter number, but it's in most chapters. Or, or think of 1 Timothy, where Paul says that the men should raise holy hands in prayer without fighting and disputing. You know, no fist fights. Those hands are for praising God. So I think this is the context. In James's community, you have people who have very strong negative attitudes towards others. Oh, of course, if you feel that way towards some of the people in uh, your community or your workplace, it's not surprising you would feel bad in the church where things can be equally sensitive. So that's what I'm saying. This is about the misuse of the tongue in worship. There's a, a document called the Testament of Benjamin. Okay, it's not by Benjamin as in uh, the youngest son of Jacob. And it, it was probably written slightly after the time of Christ. But I like to read a couple sentences from the Testament of Benjamin. The good set of mind does not talk from both sides of its mouth. Praises and curses, abuse and honor, common strife, hypocrisy and truth, poverty and wealth. But it has one disposition, uncontaminated and pure, toward all men. There is no duplicity in its perception or its hearing. Now, overtones of double-mindedness. When he speaks of the uncontaminated and the pure, praises and curses, we're reminded of this passage in James. Well, how does this apply to us? Can we be a bit more specific very easily? Because we send so much with our tongues, there are abundant examples. First, there are negative words. It could be slander. Slander which hurts others or may be intended to hurt others. We don't build ourselves up by tearing others down. It doesn't work that way. Or as one friend said, he who throws dirt loses ground. There's gossip, which is delicious, as the Proverbs say. It's just uh, maybe not words that, if they were transcribed, are negative, but it's the way they're said. It's the tone, a hint of mocking or sarcasm. I would be really remiss if I didn't say something about social media posts. Negative words telling other people they're stupid or implying that they have no mind or that I alone am right. Something that is really Christian should have nothing to do with. Uh, it's so disappointing uh, to see how, how people behave. It's not just the words, but it's also deeds, things we do maybe without saying anything. Um, I've got a few ideas here uh, on uh, punitive actions and foot dragging and passive aggression. <laughs> Let me know if these are familiar. One I will call punitive driving. This assumes that you drive a car, and I know most people in the world don't, but if you're old enough to drive and you live in a wealthy country um, like uh, the United States or Britain, you may well drive. But the person next to you may not be such a good driver, the one who cuts in front of you, or the one who's going too slowly. Always got to chuckle the... There was an American comedian who pointed out that if someone's driving too fast, you know, they whiz past you, you say, you call them a maniac. But if they're too slow and you're behind them, you call them, you know, stupid. <laughs> um, you know, there's really no pleasing. There's no pleasing us, is there? Punitive driving. This could be 
using the horn, honking at people um, to punish them or flashing lights. And I don't mean in a helpful way. Is this something I've never done as a Christian? I would like to say I've never done it in all my years. I would like to say that. Here's another area. Punitive tipping. You're at a restaurant. The service isn't great. So you decide to leave half of what you might otherwise leave. And you think as a good capitalist, and this is the free market and market forces must be allowed to prevail, this will teach the person to work harder the next time. Or maybe the person will have to quit and be replaced by someone else. After all, it's dog eat dog. It's a rat race. Survival of the fittest. I'm not really sure that that's the way we Christians should be behaving. We should behave the way we would like to be treated. If I were in food service, I used to be a long time ago, uh, I would appreciate if someone was generous towards me, even if I didn't deserve it. Now that starts sounding like grace. In fact, I enjoy surprising people. That is, giving them not just a little more than they were thinking, but so much more that they smile. Christians, unfortunately, have the reputation in the restaurant world of being the worst tippers, of being the most complaining. And and I, I've talked to various people, including family members, who uh, really hate, hate it if they're assigned to uh, a restaurant, you know, to be a waiter on a Sunday because... You have all these people coming from church, and they're mean, they're stingy, they're poor tippers, they complain. What is that? We we should be different. Not, uh, and you say, but this is the, you know, this is uh, capitalism, or this is the the market. Well, it may be, uh, but maybe let someone else punish the waiter you're not pleased with. Something that hit me when I was a a little kid, there was a, a, I was in a restaurant, and I saw a waitress she wasn't doing very well. Uh, she was fairly close to me, so I, I could hear what was going on. And uh, she was getting the orders wrong, and the, the man at the table was getting frustrated with her. And at the, finally, uh, when she brought the food to that table, she slipped. It all fell to the ground, and he shouted, and he cursed her. What I found out later on is that she had just found out that her father had died. She wasn't wealthy enough to take the day off. She had to work. But the person who was upset with her didn't know that and probably wouldn't have behaved that way if he had known. But the point is, we're supposed to reflect Christ. Our fellow human beings are created in the image of God, even the non-Christian ones, even the ones you don't like. Other kinds of negative deeds, uh, and these may be in the area of passive aggression or minor acts of sabotage, making a workmate's job more difficult. Uh, okay, hiding, hide his stapler so he can't find it, or something like that. Um, foot dragging at work. You have an assignment, but you, you're going slower than you need to, than you should. Or you're punishing the company by taking an unauthorized absence, a long lunch, or pretending to be sick. You're devising ways to get back at an unpleasant boss realizing that often the unpleasant boss has an unpleasant boss. And some people just have bad personality disorders. But the thing is, we're not supposed to be the judge, the execution, or the punisher. We're supposed to have grace. Because what does James say? Human beings who've been made in God's likeness. These are not just potential Christians. And I don't think we should look at people only in that 
uh, lens, but we should understand that God is a father of all humankind, the saved and the unsaved. There's a potential. Uh, we should keep that in mind. We should think more biblically about others. And the things that we say, negative or positive, are always going to be important because as members of the body of Christ, we're all called to some extent to speak to a ministry of instruction, at least on some level. Colossians 3 says we should let the word of Christ dwell on us richly as we instruct one another. There, the picture is mainly instructing each other through song, although clearly that would also apply to teaching or just sharing what you've been reading the Bible that morning. We have passages like Romans 15, 14, that envisions that we're all competent to counsel at a certain level. I'm not talking about pretending we're a professional psychiatrist or psychologist, but I mean, we all, if we speak the truth in love, we will often help people enormously. Or you have Hebrews 5, uh, the end of that chapter, that envisions the possibility that, that all of God's people are teachers. They, they move on to some extent. Now, I understand teaching is a gift and not everyone is called to that, but everyone speaks. And if you have a tongue and you speak, then this is significant. I like the way the psalmist put it in Psalm 141. And the prayer goes, set a watch, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Psalm 141.3. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we need to keep a watch over our mouth. Be careful what we say. Words are important. In the communities or community where James is ministering, the tongue is being misused. It's been used for harm. It's hurting people. And some people, probably some teachers, are having a poisonous impact. That's not good. Dear Lord, we pray that we'll accept your wisdom today. We thank you so much for the book of James. And we thank you so much for making it clear. We are inconsistent. We can run hot and cold, fresh and salt. We hate the thought that we're saying words of praise to you, but inwardly we're cursing our fellow man, or maybe it's even a family member. Lord, help us not to be like that, but to see others as you see them. This is our prayer through Christ. Amen. Uh, next, we'll have a talk called Pseudo-Wisdom. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on 40 Days with James. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.